Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning. Good morning. It is a great morning. And, you know, just going out there with the, taking the kids out, and you get to see the kids at Bub's Church and Kids' Church. There's, it's a hive of activity out there. And uh, just as I stand up here, I'm like, wow, I can see the people that have disappeared to go out and work with our kids. Lord, Lord we thank you for our Kids' Church teachers. We thank you for those who, who give of their time who sacrifice their time of being encouraged in your word as, as we listen to your word, Lord, that they've sacrificed their time. And Lord, we just pray for your encouragement, your strengthening for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord God, we just thank you for those who are listening to this podcast now, that uh, you would just bless them, Lord. Help them to be still and hear what you're saying to them as they listen in the car or at home or wherever they might be, Lord. Lord God, we just thank you for the power of your word in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just through the week, I was, I was reading Psalm 119, and to be honest, I didn't get very far through the psalm, and just felt God say to me, it just, just illuminated to me that today is the day that God has given us. Today is the day that God has given us, and He is to be glorified through this day. It was just an overwhelming sense that through all the things that were to happen that day, I had my, my list of things I would like to get done by the end of the day, and through the, 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 the fun, the, the good, the bad, the in-between, the mundane, through these things, through this day, God desires to be glorified. It's through the circumstances that we're in, it's through the, the things that are happening in our life, God knows what's happening. And it's through today that He is planning to move, that He is working, and that He wants to be glorified. For some of us, that's easier maybe to say amen to than others. <laughs> but be encouraged because today is a part of God's plan. Today is a part of the journey that God is using for Him to be lifted up and to be glorified on this earth, in this city, in your life, in your family, in your street, wherever it might be. I was encouraged by that. I hope you are. God just really impressed that upon me and I just thought I'd share it with us this morning. This morning we're continuing to look at the book of uh, Genesis. I nearly said the book of Joseph, that's not right. <laughs> the book of Genesis, we're going to be continuing to look at the life of Joseph as we talk about Joseph from dreams to destiny. And as I said last week, it's not about the, the destiny is in fate, it's the destiny that God has for us and we have a choice to be a part of His plan for us, to, to join in with what God is doing or to choose to sit back and, and, and not join in the plan that God has for us. Uh, and we talked about Joseph, how his father was Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, that his father, or Joseph's grandfather, was Isaac, and his great-grandfather was Abraham. That's who Joseph is. And we talked about his dreams. We talked about how his brothers hated him because of his dreams and the way he talked about it. We know his father gave him this beautiful robe. It doesn't say technicolor, but just a beautiful robe. And... His brothers just hated him all the more because of his father's favour towards him. And then we get to the point where uh, Joseph gets sent out by his father to go and check on his brothers. And as I read that, I sort of think, well, we read last week that Joseph was kind of always coming back with the bad reports of what his brothers were doing. And I think, I wonder if, I wonder if his dad uh, inspired him to be like that. He's going out to check on his brothers. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but we... That's where we're up to and we read and we turn to the next part we're up to in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 18. 
if you've got your Bible, I encourage you to open it up. Uh, underline the things that God points out to you this morning as we read through this passage. Uh, I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Um, check out what the pastor says. Don't just take it else for granted. Just because the screen says it doesn't mean it's right. It's the Bible, I promise you. I've, I've copied and pasted it and I haven't changed it. But I encourage you to, to open your Bible. Open your Bible. Let your Bible be something that, that you, you love. Um, I'm hoping to share with Kids Church. Uh, sorry, I'm going to not come in here one day soon. And I'm going to go out to Kids Church. I've been talking with Sue about doing that. Because I want the kids to know that they're a part of this church. That God loves them. The pastor loves them. And I've been just meditating on the things God wants me to share. And, uh, and one of the things he was prompting me maybe to do, I haven't decided on it yet, is to, to take the different Bibles I've had through my life. And, uh, and I've got different Bibles that are falling apart from different stages in my life. And I think a, a Bible that's falling apart, oh, I heard it on the radio the other day, it's a really corny saying, but a, a, a Bible that's falling apart shows a life that won't be. And if our Bible is in perfect mint condition, never been opened, then we may have some challenges in our life if we're not opening His Word. We need to be opening his word. I hadn't planned to say that, but anyway. Genesis 37, verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. That's good. It's his, they're his brothers. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. That's not normal. Let's not just read that and go, oh, yeah, that's, this is what's happening. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he's, they made a plan to kill him. No, that's not normal. They see Joseph coming and they say, let's kill this guy. They hate him. They are so jealous of him. Verse 19, it says, Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father, a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Just throw him into the into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. It's like, thank you for clarifying. You just said it was empty. There's no water in it. It's empty. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. Can you imagine that? A caravan full of camels. It's like, how did they know? There must have been legs poking out windows and doors and heads out the roof. It's like, a caravan of camels. I'm sorry, that's a really bad joke. <laughs> it was a group of Ishmaelite traders, not with a caravan, but a caravan of camels. Taking a load of gum, balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, you're going to be looking at you, you're going to be driving around going, is there any camels in that caravan? No. What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for, to, to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. I don't know where Reuben went. It's like maybe he's gone to get lunch. And he's kind of come back and it's like, Joseph, where is he? He's gone. He comes back to get Joseph out of the cistern. 
when he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, the boy is gone, what will I do now? It's kind of like, Reuben, you're giving your plot away. But anyway. Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Interesting way they word that, I think. Your son. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. And there we see the beginning of the next part of the story that we're not going to look at today. But we begin to see the setting that Joseph is left in. Now Joseph was in a place where it seemed like the dream was dead. Joseph had these amazing dreams of the sun, moon and stars bowing down to him. His bundle of grain standing up and the others bowing down to him. And now he's, he's been sold. He's, he's been taken away to Egypt, away from his father's land, away from his father's, away from that relationship. He's sold into slavery. And what could be more further from the, the, the reality of that dream? What could be further from that dream than the place he was in on that day? It seemed like the dream was dead. I wonder if you've ever had a time when you felt like the dream God gave you was dead. Maybe you've had a point in your life where you just felt like there was no hope for that dream anymore. Maybe you felt like there was a plan that you, you felt God had put in your heart and these circumstances happened and you thought, God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen? And it feels like the dream is dead. Maybe you're in that place even today. This morning as we look at Joseph's life, there's two questions I want to ask as we look at this passage. And the first one is this, how do we deal with jealousy? How do we deal with jealousy? Maybe it's a jealousy of someone else, of what they have, of what God's doing in their life, of what, of, what, of what someone else has. Maybe we have some jealousy in our own life. Or maybe it's the jealousy of others, of us. Maybe others are jealous of us. And how do we deal with that when someone else is jealous of what we have? How do we deal with those things? Where do we go with those thoughts? How do we, how do we move forward? Joseph's brothers, we've got Reuben who, who kind of tries to stand up for Joseph in a way that the others won't know about. He, he thinks, I'm going to stop Joseph being killed at least. He says, let's not kill him, let's just throw him in there and let's let him, leave him to rot. And the brothers are like, oh yeah, whatever, that's, 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 that's good, we don't have blood on our own hands then. But then he comes back and he's, he's gone. I think, I wonder, I wonder if maybe Reuben could have said something to, to intervene in their plans. I wonder if there's something he could have done rather than just waiting to, to rescue him later, but something he could have done in that journey. Then you've got Judah, one of Joseph's brothers, who, who thinks, yeah, let's not kill him, let's sell him. 
let's not just kill him, let's make some money out of this guy. Like he's a brother that's jealous and with a bit of an entrepreneurial side. It's like at least I'm gonna make some I'm gonna make some dough out of this. And then you've got the other brothers. To be honest, I don't think we actually really know what the other brothers were thinking. We know that someone said as Joseph approached, hey, here comes the dreamer, let's kill him. But there's no comment that says they agree, but we don't really know how they felt about the situation. And sadly, I think we can be like those other brothers. That when someone is, is jealous of another person, when someone's speaking badly about another person, we can be like those other brothers who just sit in the background, say nothing, and don't help the situation. We don't necessarily make the situation worse, but we stand at a distance and don't get involved. I think God keep us from being people that just stand back and don't get involved. Because if we don't get involved, we just seem to be like all the rest and we'd be seen as one of those ones that just wanted to kill our brother. If we don't speak words of life, if we're not fighting for God, the Bible says we're fighting against Him. Joseph's brothers had different ideas and different views. But how do we deal with jealousy? You know, Jesus' response to jealousy, I think he was tempted with jealousy, although he never was jealous. He never gave in to that temptation. I believe he would have been tempted to be jealous, but never gave in to it. But Jesus had people who were jealous of him. And we read in Luke 23, verse 33 and 34, it says, When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus was nailed to the cross. He was crucified because of the jealousy of the religious leaders. They hated him. They hated the fact that people loved this man. They hated what he was doing. They hated the way that God was using him to heal people. They, they were so jealous of this guy. So they nailed him to a cross and crucified him. Now we know that God was working through what they did. But on the cross, even as Jesus was crucified by those who were jealous of him, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. I wonder if we can stand and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. To those who might be hurting you, to those who might be jealous of you, those who might be angry with you, those who might be persecuting you, can you say, Father, forgive them? They don't understand what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't understand your love. Help them to know your love, God. That's God's heart for us, to forgive those who persecute us, to bless those who persecute us. We're going to look at that in a moment. But I, I just feel like I need to also clarify that... Let me turn to this other verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 1. It says, In the last days there will be unlo- they will be unloving... Sorry, I've just skipped a few bits to try and get through the whole passage a bit quicker. In the last days they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Stay away from people like that. I read that verse for this reason, that sometimes people are in a situation where someone is, is abusing them, is, 
is not treating them as they should be treated. Today, you might be in a situation where you are being abused, whether it's emotionally, whether it's physically, whatever way that might be. Maybe you know someone. And we do not have to stay in that situation and just be abused. God wants you to be free from those things. He doesn't want you to, be, to be, have the life of God taken away from you. There are people who love you. We love you. There are others who are, are willing and want to help people through those journeys, out of those situations. And you do not have to stay within that. God wants you to forgive that person. He wants you not to, not to get angry or hate that person. But it's okay to get out of that situation. It's not right to stay in that situation, I believe. That person needs to understand that's not okay. So what do we do? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting you, no corrupting many. How do we deal with jealousy? Sorry, just go back to that one. Work at living in peace. Work at living in peace. Be a peacemaker. Be a peace bringer. Even to those who might, might be persecuting you, might be saying wrong things about you, work at living in peace. Don't let any poisonous root of bitterness grow in your life. If you feel any bitterness, if you feel any jealousy, if you feel any anger within your heart, just a seed. Say, God, help me with this. Forgive me for, for holding on to this. Help me, Lord, to release this person. Lead me forward. Change their heart. Lord, change my heart. But let's not allow that poisonous root to grow and to affect the lives of many around us even. Because it will corrupt many if we let it grow. If you want to think about that some more, go and watch VeggieTales. <laughs> it's got a great story on bitterness. How do we deal with jealousy? Luke, Luke, Luke 6, verse 28, and it also says in Romans 12, 14, it says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If you've got a struggle with these things today, if you are jealous of somebody, if someone is jealous with you and mistreating you, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If, so, if you're jealous of someone, bless the person. Pray for that person. Ask God to help you not be jealous anymore. Pray for that person. Release them from that thing. That's God's plan for us who are in Christ Jesus. The second question I want to ask us this morning as we think about the life of Joseph is what do we do when it seems the dream is dead? Where do we go? What do we do? How do we process that? What do we, how do we go forward from that point? Joseph had been sold. It had happened. He it was finished. He was now a slave and he'd been taken off to Egypt. He was captive in a foreign land. And we don't know exactly how Joseph dealt with that moment. We don't, there's no writings to say how Joseph felt as he was carted off to be a slave. There's no scripture that tells us about how he felt, what he prayed, what went through his mind through those moments. But he was sold. He was a slave. As we look at the next few chapters of, of Joseph's life, I think we see that, that he's just grown deeper in his love for God. 
He's just grown deeper in his dependence on God. I wonder, will we grow deeper in our dependence on God through those times? Can we, will we just draw deeper into God? Will we look to Him for strength? Will we turn to Him? I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says this, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. You know, we talked about last week that when we are weak, when we acknowledge that we are weak, and when we come to Christ, He makes us strong. His power is made perfect in weakness. When we think we're strong, when we think we've got mighty power, that we can do this, we are weak and we are headed for a fall. But when we acknowledge that we are weak, that we need God's strength, that we day by day come to Him and say, God, lead me today, help me today, fill me with Your Spirit, enable me, God, to be for Your glory today, He will make you strong. And He goes on, Put on all of God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour, so you will, so that you might know, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I believe God's word to you today is that you will stand firm. You will come through this. You will be standing strong if you hold on to Him through whatever you might be going through, through whatever happens in your life, if your strength is in Him, you will stand firm. That you will be lifted up, you will be honoured even as you stand for Him, stand in His strength, despite the battle that rages around you. He is a defeated enemy. And He's trying to bring down some people on the way, but He's, he's a defeated enemy. If our, if our hope, if our strength is in Christ, we will not be put to shame. This hope will not disappoint. You will be standing firm. Let's continue on. Verse 14, Ephesians 6 says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. What does a belt do? Holds up your pants. It keeps you from being humiliated. Anyone ever gone to work, gone to school, and you've gone, oh no, these are those pants I just washed. I thought my belt was on, but it's not. And you know how your pants, they just sort of, they, they shrink and you wash them a little bit, and then they start to expand, and you go, oh no, and you're pulling them up all day. It's embarrassing. Am I the only one that's been there? No. It's a couple, the three of us. <sighs> feel, feel sorry for us. The belt of truth. God's word is the truth. His word is the truth that keeps us from being humiliated. If we stand on God's word, if we rely on His word, if we depend on Him and what He has declared, if we hold on to the truth of His word, if we claim His word, we will not be disappointed. We will not be put to shame. You know, at times we get ideas, we get thoughts, we, get, we hear of ideas and we think, that's a great idea, let's run with it. But if it's not God's word, if it's not His truth, there's a fragility to that thing that we could so easily fall over and be humiliated. The only way to live with, with the confidence that we will not fall with humiliation is to, to put the belt of truth on, to apply the truth of God's Word to our lives day by day by day, to live by the truth. 
and we will not be humiliated. To put on the body armor of God's righteousness. What does body armor protect? All our vital organs. Our, our life is protected as we put on the, 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 the body armor of God's righteousness. As we put on His righteousness. As we remember that it's by faith we are saved. Our faith is counted as righteousness before God. As we put that on, as we remember, I am saved by faith in Christ. Through, through faith, I am counted as righteous in God's sight. I thank you, Jesus, for that. I claim that, Lord. I know I'm a forgiven child of God. We are protected. The life we have in Christ is protected. Satan can't get through to those vital organs. He can't attack us where it hurts most if we continue to put on the body armor of God's righteousness. To remember that we are saved by faith in Christ. It's through Christ alone that we are saved. That we'll be protected. Verse 15, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you'll be fully prepared. Put on the peace. God wants us to have peace. He doesn't want us to live in fear. He doesn't want us to live running away from the enemy. He wants us to go with peace, to take peace, to, to have peace, but to be a peacemaker on this earth. To share the good news, which is the gospel of peace to those around us. So that we'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. You know, Satan wants to pick off some believers in this world today. He wants to shoot his fiery arrows at us and we would, we would fall, that we would be wounded, that we would be held back from the plan that God has for us. But God wants to take us from that dream through to the destiny of that thing being fulfilled. And we need to hold up faith as our shield. We need to claim God's word. We need to stand on his word. We need to put our faith in Jesus day by day. To hold that shield of faith. To help each other hold that shield of faith. To speak words of faith into each other. And when others are weak, that we'll hold up that, sh that shield with them that we'll shield them as we speak those words of faith over their life. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet. Where does the enemy try and attack us most? In our minds. He wants to bring thoughts. He wants to attack us in our minds and make us think about these things that are not true. He wants us to think about things that would tear us down. But God says, put on the helmet of salvation. You are a child of God. You have been bought with a price. You are saved by the blood of Jesus. No weapon formed against you will prosper. If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Jesus died in your place. He will not accuse you. Put on the helmet of salvation. Let your thinking be changed. Let every thought be taken captive and submitted to Christ. If we do that, our minds will be guarded in Christ Jesus. Put on that helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have the Word of God, which is powerful. It is able to cut through where the enemy would lie. He's able to break lies with the Word of God. We're to take up His Word and to use that Word with skill to know His Word, to, to understand the depth of the, the meaning of His Word, to grow in His Word, to let our roots grow down deep into His Word so that we could fight skillfully the Lord's battles. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 18, he says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Continually, Paul says. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. 
and pray for me too, Paul says. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Did you hear that? He's in chains, he's in prison, he's captive, and he says, So pray that I would be delivered and set free from this prison. No. He says, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. I wouldn't have said that. I would have said, so pray that I can be delivered from these chains so I can get out and preach for God. That's my desire. I think so often that's our desire, that we would be taken from the place that we're in, that we'd be put in some other place so that there we could be for God's glory. But God says, today is the day that I have chosen for you to live for my glory. The situation you are in is a situation God wants you to seek Him for boldness, for strength. That we would boldly proclaim Him as I should. God, give me that heart. God, give us that heart. Joseph had a dream, but things seemed so far from that dream. But he continues to depend on God. I wonder, can we apply those things to our life? Number one, be strong in the Lord. Let's be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. If you feel like you're a mile, a hundred million miles from your dream, a hundred million miles from what God has spoken to you, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Because you know what, if it's God's dream for you, there is nothing that is going to stop God's will from happening in your life. If you'll continue to be submitted to Him, He will bring that thing to pass. If sometimes people have a word of prophecy spoken over them, and, and they change everything to try and make that prophecy come true. But I believe prophecy is more about confirming what God is saying in our lives. Sometimes we don't understand what He's saying and it's sort of something we, we listen to, we, we sort of put it on the shelf and say, okay, God, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'm going to just trust you with this. If it's God's will, He will bring it to pass. It's not our great works, it's not our great strength, it's in His strength that things come to pass. It's in His strength, it's in His power that we will go from dreams to destiny. It will, it will come to pass in His strength. Number two, put on God's armour. The belt of truth, the body armour of God's righteousness, the shoes of peace, the good news, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. I wonder, is there one of those things that God's saying, that's what you need to, to focus on? You've let that thing go. I wonder if there's one thing that God's illuminating to you and saying, yeah, help me put that on again, God. I know I've heard of it, over seasons of people saying, every morning I get up and I put on all the pieces of God's armour. And that's fantastic. That's great. I've always sort of thought, I don't want to take it off when I go to bed either. I just want to sleep in my armour, God. I don't know why people have to put it back on every day. It's like, but I think it's a great thing to do though. And I think if we're struggling to remember these things, let's physically do something every day to remind us of that helmet of salvation, that belt of truth. I'm not going to speak any words of lies, God. I'm not going to make things up today, God. Help me speak truth. Help me to be a person of integrity. God, help me, hold up, help, help me hold up that shield of faith. Put on the armor of God day by day. And don't take it off at night. Keep it on. Because there is an enemy. 
There is an enemy. We live in a world that believes in uh, largely a, a God, a supernatural force. But somehow people don't sort of seem to think that the, the enemy is real. It's like, yeah, there's a God, but no, nah, there's Satan, the devil. That's like, that's, that's make-believe stuff. And yet you turn the TV on and then there's these things that are so evil and almost demonic on our TV screens. There's, there's stories about these things everywhere. And yet people are like, no, no, God is good. He's loving. There's no such thing as a devil. There's no such thing as, as demons. It's like people's minds, I believe, have been clouded. They've been, they've been blinded to the reality that there is an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a defeated enemy, but he wants to pull some people down on the journey. There is an enemy. James 4 verse 7 says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We don't have to be afraid. Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What happens when you turn the light switch on in a room in the morning? It's like, there's a, is there like a big battle between light and darkness? It's like the light turns on and it's like it gets down a little bit and like the, the light lights up part of the room and then it sort of it fights against the darkness for a bit over here and then finally the light wins. No, the light turns on, darkness cannot stay. If we humble ourselves before God, if we come to Him, if we say, God, my life is yours, here I am. If we come to Him, if we humble ourselves, we resist the devil, the devil will flee from you. Because the love of God, the, the, the presence of Christ lives in you. The Spirit of God, the light of heaven, you are the light of the world. The devil cannot stand unless we give him a foothold. At the same time though, I want to say that we need to be careful not to get arrogant or prideful in our, in our relation with or talking about the enemy. I hear people talking about the enemy sometimes in a way that they sort of feel like, it sounds like they think they're, they're, they're king of the devil and they, they, they mock him, they, they kind of think it's a joke and it's no joke. Satan is a powerful enemy. He has power. God is greater but Satan is a real enemy and, and he's not something to laugh at. I just want to read briefly 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. Sorry, verse 10. I was going to read more, but I decided I had to cut some out. God speaking of, God, of judgment on the ungodly. He says, He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. But the angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. The angels will not scoff at demons. The angels do not scoff at demons. They know the power they have in Christ, in, in, in God. They, they are free from their power, but they don't scoff at demons. We should be aware that we are in a real spiritual battle. We shouldn't just be lazy around thinking, this is easy, ah, oh, demons, <sighs> laugh at them. This is a real spiritual battle and people's lives are at stake. The power of Jesus' blood covers all sin for those who come to him, but there's a battle going on. Jude talks about the same thing. If you want to look at Jude 1, verse 8 to 10, and I want to read it now. Put on God's armor, because there is an enemy. 
We should not be prideful or arrogant, but we can be confident. I don't say those things to scare you. I don't say those things that you say you'll be afraid. But I want us to have a healthy understanding of the supernatural war, the battle that is happening over people's lives right now. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. If we are in Christ, we have been set free. Praise be to God. Amen. We are on the winning side. Jesus is victorious. He has won the victory. Let us stand in that victory and be confident in his mighty power. Number three, let's stay alert and be persistent in prayer. Verse 18 18 says, pray in the Spirit always. Pray for all believers everywhere, for wisdom, for strength and boldness, and how to declare this good news. God, help us to stand in prayer for one another. To stand in prayer, to, to, to fight the good fight and to stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ. To stand for those who don't yet know Christ, that they might understand the hope of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. You know, Joseph's father mourned deeply when he heard the report that Joseph was dead. It wasn't true, but he mourned deeply. You know, our Father, God in heaven, our Creator, loving God, mourns deeply for us. I believe He mourns for when we feel like we're defeated. He mourns for when we feel like there's, there's no hope. He mourns when we feel like we, we can't do the things He's called us to do. I believe He mourns when we give up on the dream that He's placed within us. He mourns deeply. I believe God desires for us to, to, to hear what His Spirit is saying to us, to, to be encouraged as we open the Word and to, to take hold of that dream again because it's not over until we have our last breath. Every day God has given us is a gift from Him. And I believe He mourns until we take up that dream that we step forward and not just know that we're saved by God's grace, but we would live for His glory. That we would know that we are victorious in Christ. That we are filled with the power of heaven. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Day by day, the the Spirit of God has been given to empower us, to embolden us, to give us courage, to to remind us of the things Jesus has spoken, to help us live lives for the glory of God. What a privilege. What an honor. What an opportunity. Let it be a joy. God, stir our hearts day by day as we wake to, to realize the opportunity we have. I just want to read again Jeremiah 29, verse 11, as we read last week. For I know, God speaking, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And we know that was speaking in a collective sense to his people. And together, God knows the plans he has for us, to use us for his glory. He has a plan to give you a future and a hope, and not for disaster. 
We can trust him wherever he leads us. Joseph, I'm sure, had some doubts. I'm sure he had some questions as he's lying at the bottom of that cistern, hearing his brothers talk about how they're going to kill him. As he's sold into slavery, I'm sure he had some questions. I'm sure he had some doubts. And I don't believe God gets angry when we have doubts. Let's be honest about those things with one another. Let's be honest before God. Read the Psalms and hear David cry out and say, God, why have you allowed this to happen? But know that God knows the plans He has for you and He will bring that dream from a a dream that seems impossible into the, the destiny, the future of the reality if it is His dream for you. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be afraid. We can trust in the living God and have joy today, no matter what's happening in our lives. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. Whose life is this? It's not mine. I've been bought with a, with a price. I've been bought with a price. It's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. We are God's masterpiece. You are His masterpiece. And He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Maybe you've got some questions right now. Maybe you have some doubts, but God can do the good things He's planned to do through your life. In your life. We have the victory through Christ who gives us strength. I'm going to ask the band to come. And we're going to finish with this song, God is able. He will never fail. He is Almighty God. It's not about us. It's not about the grandness, the smallness, the strength of us. It's not about our dreams. It's about His power at work in us. This morning, maybe if you're struggling with the situation you're in, and you feel like you're that Joseph who's just in slavery, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but God wants to strengthen you. I'm going to ask that we stand and we're going to sing this song. But as we sing it, as this song comes to a finish, I want you to turn to maybe the person beside you or maybe you'd prefer to come down the front and we can pray for you, to lay hands on you and, and, and ask that God would speak to your heart this morning. Maybe God has a word for you from someone that He wants to just encourage you. He is Almighty God. He will never fail. Don't leave this place feeling alone in the journey. God is the one who takes dreams and brings them to fulfillment. But God doesn't want you to be feeling alone and discouraged. He has made a way. God, I thank you for your victory. God, we thank you for the mighty power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that we are weak, that we go through things that we don't understand. But God, we know that you are faithful, that God, you love us that you are always able. Lord, we just surrender to you right now. God, we surrender our lives. God, we ask that you would have your way. We don't understand all things, Lord God, but I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would have joy, that we would have that peace as we move forward with the the armour of God upon us, Lord. Lord, joyfully we could go forward with the message of good news that others too might know this hope that we have in you. We thank you for your plans. We thank you for your dreams for us, for this church, for your people, for this earth, Lord God. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come, that you would move, that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Let's sing together. Thank you, Jesus.